Hello, everyone. That's a hard passage, huh? That's a hard passage to hear. And I've noticed that whenever I have come and speak here, it seems like the Lord gives me a more difficult passage. Um, the last three times I was here, I spoke on Ananias and Sapphira trying to use God's community for themselves from Acts 5. Then before that, I was talking about God's jealousy for us over adulterous passions in James 4. And before that, I talked about God disciplining us to endure in Hebrews 12. So I don't know why God gives me such strong passages to speak when I come here, but if I were to guess, it's because God knows that you can handle it. God wants you to know that he's not finished with you yet. As I look here, out here, and I see your faces, I have known Jesus for about 19 years. There are probably many among here who have known Jesus for a longer time than that. And you are soldiers in Christ. You are warriors in Christ. Many of you, you are praying day by day, and you are strong. And you might not know that. You might not see it. Others may not see it. But God sees it. God believes that you are strong, and God wants us to be holy. I believe that God gives such strong passages when I speak to you because God wants to strengthen you, and he knows that you can handle it. So we're going to go through a difficult passage here, and there are two different images that Jesus uses here. He's going to use fire, and he uses salt to talk to us. There are a few different times in the Gospels that you may have noticed that Jesus speaks or acts in a way that seems cruel. I'm going to highlight a few right now. Remember the time he told the Gentile woman that she's a dog and she has to wait for the children to eat before the dogs eat the crumbs? Remember that? Another time he told his disciples that they're dull that they're stupid for not understanding that he was using a metaphor. I can go on, there are a few more. It seems like he got exasperated at a man asking for him to deliver his son from demons. How long shall I be with this generation? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Remember the time he basically called Peter Satan? Remember the time where he heard that Mary and Martha's brother was ill and about to die, and instead of coming immediately to their home in Bethany, he stayed where he was for another couple days until their brother died. Seems cruel. We see that through these stories, and I don't need to go into them right now, that Jesus was doing something intentionally to get at a deeper faith. Jesus was saying something challenging. Jesus was saying something you wouldn't expect him to say intentionally to get at a deeper faith. And this is what he's doing right here. Jesus is using strong words. Jesus said, if you have a problem with sin, gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, cut off your foot. He is not sympathetic about sin. And how about us? Are we sympathetic to sin? Do we say, what my eye is looking at isn't that bad? What my feet are walking towards isn't that bad. What I'm doing with my hands isn't that bad. In our prayer of confession, we just talk, we just ask God to forgive us for the, the thoughts and motives and actions of our heart. That could refer to the eyes, the feet, and the hands. Remember 
when parents may say, cut it out. Parents probably aren't talking about cutting off a limb. <laughs> Jesus is serious here. He gets serious. So here Jesus is talking about our desire like a fire. And I'm sure each of you have experienced fire. This is a universal experience here. When fire is in its place, it blesses you. When fire is in a fireplace on a cold day, it gives warmth to you in your house. When fire is on a stove, it can heat water for tea or it can cook your meal. When fire is on a candle, it provides atmosphere to the room. But when fire is not in its place, it quickly gets out of control and it's damaging and it's consuming immediately. When fire gets out of place, it's destructive and it's not the time to sit back and appreciate it. It's time to put that fire out. And if we think about our desire like a fire, when desire gets out of control and it can burn our house down, a lot of times we forget to ask others for help. Our brothers and sisters here are the firefighters whom we can ask for help. We can't do it alone. And we also can't help others build up their house of their lives when our own is burning down. So fire destroys, fire consumes. When fire spreads and eats up whenever it's burning, is it satisfied to stop there? Like fire eats something and it says, okay, I've had lunch, now I'm just gonna wait here until I have dinner. No, fire keeps consuming. That's the nature of fire. We can't expect fire not to be fire. So we set intentional boundaries so we get the benefits of fire and not its destructive power. So on a campsite, when you build a fire, you make sure around the fire you have dirt or you have stones. There needs to be a few feet to make sure the fire is not spreading to anything else that can catch on fire. We design the locations for where fire needs to be to make sure it stays there. And remember, Jesus is saying our desire is like a fire. So it's good. Fire is good. It needs to stay in the place it was designed for. And Jesus said here, if we don't take these measures, these extreme measures to limit our desire, then we're going to be consumed by this unquenchable fire. And here, Jesus uses the word, the word hell. And I'm gonna go a little deeper right here because I know usually when we, when we hear that word hell, uh, very specific images come to mind. We think it's something that just happens after death and we associate it with punishment. I'm gonna go a little bit deeper into this word so we can understand the nature of our desire too. So Jesus is using the word Gehenna here. Gehenna. Does it, has anyone heard that word before? You may have heard it a few times, right? Gehenna refers to a valley around Jerusalem. When old Israelite ungodly kings would go to this valley, they would sacrifice their children to foreign gods. Generation after generation, this happened, and then a good king named King Josiah put an end to that because he made this valley... Gehenna, uh, basically a garbage dump. 
Sewage went there, dead animals went there, garbage went there. It was a place perpetually on fire. It was a place where maggots and worms would be. And this is the sort of imagery that's coming up when Jesus talks about a desire that consumes us like a fire. It's something that can happen, and it's something that we've experienced in our lives when we've let desire get out of control. It consumes us. We can't think right. Our lives aren't ordered right. We can't experience God's presence, and we can't experience the kingdom of God when we let our desire spread past its bounds. Okay, so now we've talked about fire. We've talked about how fire can be destructive. We've talked about how this place, Gehenna, is like a fiery garbage dump that Jesus uses as a metaphor to talk about what happens when our desire gets out of control. Now let's talk about what God wants to do with us, what God wants to do with his people, because Jesus is talking to his disciples here. And he wants us to see, and this is kind of strange here, because he wants to see our desire as a blessing that he's given to us. Jesus said, everyone will be salted with fire. Do you remember where else Jesus talks about salt? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, right? There's actually a time in, in the Old Testament where offerings were seasoned with salt. It was somehow a, a blessing. Salt is good. Jesus said those words. Salt is good. Now, we want to make sure that salt remains salty. Jesus salts us with fire. So you're going to be made more appealing to the world. You're going to be made more holy. You're going to be made more attractive. You are going to get closer to Jesus if we learn how to be salty people. So here's how salt works. Salt is taken out of the earth. People in Israel, they took it from the Dead Sea, very salty place on earth. Then it would be refined, and then it could be used to sprinkle on your food. And if salt wasn't refined well, it would still contain other minerals in it, and it wouldn't taste salty. What do you do with salt that doesn't taste salty? You don't eat it. You throw it out. It's no good. Salt that isn't salty, it's not accomplishing its use. It needs to go through a refining process. That's not comfortable, is it? Sometimes in the Bible, um, as we're going to see a little bit later, it talks about going through the fire like metal that needs to be purified or removes its impurities by going through the fire. Salt needs to be refined so it removes everything that's not salty so that it can be salty to the world, so that it can be good for seasoning. Salt is good, but here's what's neat. Jesus says we'll be salted with fire. That doesn't sound comfortable. We'll be salted with fire. Fire is a blessing to us. Fire can be good. We're salted with fire because it's how God blesses us. We use our desires, and when our desires are kept to their proper places, 
we can enter into that good life. We reflect the kingdom of God, as Jesus shows here. An ordered life shows the kingdom of God. So are we willing to allow God to refine us? Are we willing to allow ourselves to go through that difficult process so that we will be holy, good, and fit people ready for every good work? Because I know God is looking on you and God is challenging you and God believes that this can happen. It's a difficult word to hear, but God can bring us to it and God can bring us through it. I'm going to end with one example of how difficult it is to be refined. And the prophet Malachi talked about this in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi was one of the later prophets in the Old Testament. He lived around the 5th century BC, and he wrote to people who believed in God, but who needed to take their beliefs some more seriously. So he talks about this, and I'm going to quote it right here from Malachi chapter 3. He writes in, in the voice of God, he says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now listen closely here. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Praise God for the work that he's going to do. And God wants to work in us. But the way that happens is for us to go through refinement. He goes on. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. So when we say we want Jesus, Jesus is coming to us. And we often can't endure his presence, we find here, because the refining and purifying he wants to do is often too intense for us. But what does it look like when we allow that refining to happen? God starts releasing people from the sins in their society. Here are the ones Malachi mentioned, spiritual forces of wickedness, sexual immorality for the sake of personal gain that destroys the family, Lies that people tell to retain power over others, unlivable wages, lack of concern for widows and orphans, and dismissive attitudes towards foreigners who want to find refuge in the land. We all want to see society healed. We pray for revival. We want to see God show up. And you know what? God has shown up. Are we willing to do the hard work it takes to be holy? to experience God's presence more fully, to see our world delivered from the sins that ravage our society. Because we will see God's righteousness in the land when we commit to God's refining process and order our desires to create life. That's when we're going to see a world that looks like the kingdom of God. That's when we'll see the kingdom of God on earth. Do we want to see it? 
It starts with me. It starts with you. Let's allow ourselves to be challenged. Let's allow ourselves to go through that process so God can create people who love seeing him and who will see God's goodness on earth. I'll end with a prayer. Lord, we ask you to order our desires rightly so that we will see the kingdom of God on earth. We see and have experienced the destructive nature of desire running rampant, and we commit ourselves to you to be holy so that we may experience the presence of God more fully and see a world in which you reign through your people with love. In Jesus' name, amen.